It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them all? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. Dallas Estate Planning Attorney Michael Cohen and I, the co-host of this program, Don Crawford Jr., the very blessed owner of KAAM Radio, welcome you to another Estate Planning Essentials program, doing nothing but tirelessly working to protect your family, your assets, and you. And I say good day to you, Michael Cohen. Good day, Don Crawford. How are you? Doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing fine. We talked about there's a wasp nest outside my home, and I've got exterminators coming in to get rid of it. And um, this program tries to point out the wasps to make sure people make the right decisions and don't get stung. That seems to be your job these days or these decades. Yeah, we try to do what we can to make sure that people are protected the way they want. And a lot of times people want to protect their assets or save their assets or protect their family, which is really the most important thing. Mm-hmm. So usually those are the questions that we have, and uh, today's no different, I hope. Uh, I thought we would talk a little bit about uh, in case some people do not have adequate income or assets or perhaps uh, do not have long-term care insurance, what they could do in connection with the governmental assistance and helping for long-term care. Great. Uh, so in other words, rules for Medicaid and with new numbers coming out and with all the changes that are possibly imminent, you want to address that for people who think about or receive Medicaid and to make sure people understand coming from you really what it all means. Yeah, well, it may not be people who are receiving it at this time, but a lot mm-hmm. of people have no idea. First of all, I don't have any idea what Medicaid does uh, and what situations it covers, and it covers a lot of different programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, there's 109 Medicaid programs in Texas Goodness. alone. Not to mention a federal program like Supplemental Security Income where you get Medicaid. But I'm just going to focus on maybe one or two programs because as we continue to age, we were talking just a minute ago that your dad is 84 years of age and people are continuing to live longer. I know we always talk about my wife's grandmother uh, who died at 107 and a half. Uh, And so people are living longer. And as a result, the older we are, the more likelihood of disability. Hmm. However, uh, a lot of people are under the mistaken impression that Medicare will always take care of them after they're 65 or whatever age. Some people get Medicare earlier if they're on Social Security disability. But uh, Medicare doesn't always cover everything, including hmm. long-term care. So we say that uh, you know Medicare is somewhat disease discriminatory. Uh, if you have a heart attack, uh, it may cover you. Uh, however, if you have Alzheimer's, and I should remind people that the Alzheimer's walks, they're 
several of them going on in the area. Uh, we're going to be involved in the one on November 6th downtown. You hope you'll join Michael's marchers for that. But in any event, uh, if you have Alzheimer's or some dementia-related disease, it's not going to, Medicare is not going to cover that. And so as a result, for, at least for long-term care, so, uh, but if you have that chronic illness, you could live a long time. The average facility, the average facility in Texas, not just Dallas, which might be more expensive than Muleshoe or some other place, uh, some small town Texas, mm-hmm. uh, is over $7,100 a month, according wow. to the state. I remember when you used so, to tell us it was 5000 5200 just a few years ago. Goodness. Yeah. Uh, so it goes up uh, every year, just like, yeah. you know, the consumer price index went up or this coming year uh, is going up. I think it was something like five point nine percent. And that's just not that's just not the Social Security increase that you have. It affects a lot of different things, including Medicaid as the amount of assets and the average nursing home price. Uh, that's important for us to note, because uh, in the Medicaid world, uh, if you should, somebody should make a gift or an uncompensated transfer within five years from the date that they apply for Medicaid, then they divide the uncompensated transfer by the average cost of a nursing home. And so that tells you how many days of ineligibility there might be uh, if you're applying for long-term care Medicaid. Again, if you're my, my grandmother who... They don't live as long as my wife's family. My grandmother lived to be about 98. Wow. Uh, and and uh, she lived in a facility for 13 years. Wow. Uh, she went in when she was 85. And uh, and if, if the average was, let's say, $5,000 a month when she went in, uh, if you if you could think about 5000 a month times 13 years, that comes out to be around $780,000. Mm-hmm. And so most people just don't have that money just to pay for, you know, skilled care uh, or some other type of care. Mm-hmm. And so we're saying, what can we do to preserve money for maybe the spouse or the family so that the government uh, could be of assistance under their rules to um, get eligibility since Medicare doesn't cover kind of like uh, some of these other things is saying, you know, we were talking the other day about uh, what uh, on the new drug for slowing down the progress of Alzheimer's. We're saying we hope that Medicare will cover uh, because then so many people will be covered. If not, that means people have to privately pay and then there'll be less people buying the drug. Well, similarly for uh, Medicaid, we, Medicare doesn't cover everything. Uh, and so what, you know, as far as long-term care, if you have a three-day hospitalization stay and three nights, uh, then uh, and you're admitted to the hospital because they've done some things to make it observation status so it wouldn't even, Medicare wouldn't even cover then. Uh, so they, if, you have, if you're admitted to the hospital for a few days, you get 20 days fully paid by Medicare and then up to an additional 80 days copay if you have a Medicare supplement. Well, a lot of people, you know, either have inadequate uh, insurance and a lot of people don't have long-term care insurance or any hybrid policy. I say hybrid policy, there's new products that have come out that pay for long-term care 
They're like a combination of life insurance and annuities that convert into an immediate annuity should there need be a need for long-term care. But most people don't have those type of things, that type of insurance to protect them. So they say, oh, my goodness, if I live for 13 years, like my grandmother, $780,000 is going to wipe out a lot of people. And so what can we do to preserve the assets, either for the uh, community spouse, the spouse that stays at home or lives in the community, uh, or perhaps what can we do to protect assets to help take care of that person with more care that's in a facility or perhaps at home? Because there's programs not only for uh, nursing home, but also programs for care at home. Mm-hmm. And the rules are different for each one of these programs. The amount of income, the amount of assets can vary. The rules regarding um, uh, transfers vary. So it's not always a look-back period. In other words, a period where they look back to see if you reduce your assets on purpose so that the government will help pay for care costs. So uh, in any event, we want it's so many people who had no idea what Medicaid may be or what it would cover are calling as they live to be an older age for care at either at home or in a nursing home. Hmm. And the figures that came out for Social Security, uh, the amount of the increase based on the consumer price index, and it's, there's lots of different con- consumer price indexes. This the one that's affecting is the one for all urban consumers. Uh, it was announced on October 13th. So it wasn't too, too long ago that this was announced. And so uh, as a result, when they give that announcement, then you could calculate a lot of times what these other figures might be increased. So, you know, that could vary on all sorts of different programs, whether it's supplemental security income, the income being increased, that's a Medicaid program for people who are disabled uh, and who have limited resources, or it could be uh, the amount that people could keep if there's a husband and wife, because there's laws, uh, and there are different laws to prevent spousal impoverishment. So let me kind of clarify a little bit. Please. Again, now, the reason for this, again, is to save money so that you don't eat up all your assets for care cost if you have inadequate long-term care insurance. If I usually speak, if I spoke to a group of 100 people, probably 10 of them have adequate long-term care insurance um, and or have no in, in insurance and so or inadequate income that would be sufficient for the cost of care. Most people don't have, you know, let's say $7,000 a month of income to pay for care costs. Uh, so what can you do? What can you do? So first, I'm going to have to get a little bit technical here, and for that I apologize. So with the Consumer Price Index, uh, there are a few different rules uh, it should be mentioned to get eligibility for Medicaid. There are certain rules to prevent spousal impoverishment, but before you get to that point, they look at how much of the resources that are accountable you could keep where the government helps pay for that care. There's a lot more that you keep if you're married than if you're single. Now, it's not to say that you could be wealthy and be on Medicaid. Although I will say that it used to be uh, that we only thought of Medicaid for the poor. And I'd have to tell you that because of laws that have changed over the last several decades, 
It's really for the middle class. Okay, so let me explain. Um, all right, let's say you're a married couple. There are certain things that do not count as an asset. First and foremost is people's homes, their mm-hmm. homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest asset that most people have is a homestead. And if you're married, it doesn't matter what the value of the home is. It doesn't count as an asset. If you're single, there's a limit of $603,000. But, again, that's going to increase uh, before the beginning uh, uh, for next year, for 2022. Prices mm-hmm. of homes go up, just like everything else, it seems to be. Well, uh, so a home doesn't count. There are certain other things that do not count. One car doesn't count. Greenie funeral doesn't count. Personal property items do not count, uh, like everyday living things like furniture, or clothing, or TV set or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally doesn't count. Uh, and actually, if you have an IRA, not a 401k or a 403b, but an IRA, if you have those other things, you might convert to an IRA. Uh and, but if you have an IRA that has required minimum distributions, not all IRAs have required minimum distributions. If you have a Roth IRA, you've already paid the tax up front, so you don't have required minimum distributions. Uh, but if you have an IRA that has required minimum distributions and you are taking those required minimum distributions, so for those people who are over 70 and a half, before January 1st, 2020, because they changed the rules in 2020. Uh, now, if you if you became uh, uh, 70 and a half after January 1st of 2020, then the date for required minimum distributions is set age 72. Uh, in any event, if you're making required minimum distributions, an IRA does not count as an asset. Mm. By the way, if you have that Roth IRA or if you're under that age where there's required minimum distributions, you can convert the investment within the IRA to an annuity, any type of annuity. It doesn't have to be start paying out. It could be a deferred annuity, and it also would not count as a resource. So generally, the two biggest assets that most people have, a home and a retirement account, could possibly not count as a resource. So now we're talking about the other things, your checking, your savings, your money market, your cash surrender value for life insurance policies if the face value of the policy is over $1,500. Uh, those type of things, uh, if you have a deferred annuity, you know, it, so the different, a second car, those other things that we haven't mentioned that count as an asset, but there's a limit to how much you can have. Now that limit is if you're married is going to depend upon what your income is. Mm. So, oh, my goodness, this is getting kind of complicated, isn't it? Mm. Um, they look at the combined incomes of what's it called non-countable resource income, which is the income like Social Security or a pension. Or if you're making those required minimum distributions, it's possible that that may be uh, non-countable resource income if the IRA doesn't count. So they look at that income, or somebody has wages or an annuity that's annuitized, or other possibilities. But generally, Social Security and pension, because most of the people who are seeking long-term care are older. And um, so uh, they look at that income, and if the income is below a certain level, uh, that is $3,259.50, but who's counting? Right. And... uh, (laughs) 
2021, and that figure will go up, too, just to kind of give you an idea. Uh, it's supposed to be going up to $3,435 mm. as of uh, January 1st based on this consumer price index. So now the levels uh, are important. The lower your income is, the more assets that could be kept if the income is below that threshold figure. Right. So is that so normally of those checking and savings and money markets and things like that, the most you can have if you're a married couple, unless the income is lower than that level, is 130380 And that's supposed to go up with this new consumer price index over $7,000, wow. around $137,400, just because the consumer price index for urban consumers has gone up 5.9%. So now, so now you say, oh, I could, I could always keep 137,000, or maybe that's the only amount you can keep. But that's, it's not that quite that simple. Of course, the government we make all these hard rules, right. uh, and, and so if the income of the couple was less than this figure that I told you, the 325950 of the non-calibrable resource income, Social Security pension you can keep a lot more assets. So let's say a husband and wife, one had 1,500 and the other one had 1,000. If the cap was at 3,259, that's $759.50 lower than the allowable limit. Hmm. If it's that difference, they look at interest rates <laughs> and see at your bank, although you don't have to buy a CD, and say, how much can you keep more than the maximum limit, which right now, as I told you, was 130380 but it's going to go up to 137400 as of January 1st. You could keep more than that if your income is less than that 325950 and it's based on a calculation. So it's possible that somebody with $500,000, not including the IRAs, not including the home or the car or the pre-need funeral could be eligible for long-term care Medicaid if their income is low enough. Now, most people wouldn't think of it. That's why I say it's for the middle class now and not for just the poor because if the it just depends on the income. Normally they say they take a picture of your assets on the first day of the month in which somebody either goes into a hospital or a nursing home. So if you have, let's say, $200,000 of assets, uh, they normally say you can only keep one half, well, spouse, $100,000, let's say. Um, however, uh, the amount of – and so you wouldn't be, be able to keep the 130380 just because you had 200000 You could go to one half of the figure of – one half of the figure of the date, first day of the month of institutionalization. So – uh, in other words, uh, that you only keep half, not to exceed this 130,380, soon to be 137,400. Uh, if uh, you, um, uh, if you're married, but if the income was low enough, lower than that threshold of 32,59.50, then you could expand the amount of resources. In my example, up to 500,000, perhaps even more. Uh, it, 
because of federal laws to prevent spousal impoverishment. In other words, the government says, we do not want to encourage divorce. So we'll let you have more assets and get Medicaid so you don't get divorced because we don't think divorce is a good thing for society. Hmm. Uh, and so they, this law is not new. This is over 30 years old. Right. And, and of course, interest rates were a lot different uh, in 1988 than they are today. Uh, so if you could protect uh, $100,000 at a 1%, at a 6% interest rate, and if it's a 1% interest rate today, that would be 600000 So the law hadn't caught up with the economy at this point. So because these federal laws prevent spousal impoverishment, the assets, there could be a far greater uh, amount that could be kept. Uh, so even notwithstanding the consumer price index, which shows that you could – uh, have 137,000, let's say, uh, uh, as opposed to 130,000 or change, uh, you might be able to keep a lot more if your income is less. A lot of information. <laughs> and it really is a lot of information. It's it, it's it's just amazing. Uh, one, your knowledge and understanding of it compared to someone like me or or other listeners. Um, what is also um, pretty obvious is that everything seems to be going up, whether it's Social Security, Medicare. Medicaid, uh, cost for assisted living, the national debt, nothing's going down. The home appreciation is also increasing significantly, which is nice for everyone who owns a home in this area in Dallas, Texas, and uh, actually nationwide. So that's been a good thing. But with all of that, Michael, with me and others, perhaps not only is our frustration increasing, but so is our anxiety, uh, because there's just so much going on. I I told you I was going to send you this website link called usdebtclock.org, U-S-D-E-B-T, usdebtclock.org. And it just has um, uh, rolling, running numbers and gauges of, of the national debt amongst, oh, Michael, 50 or 60 other ones. And I happen to notice in the bottom corner, it's liability per citizen, and what this country, what each citizen is going to basically owe. In light of this, it says that debt per citizen equals the U.S. national unfunded liability divided by the number of U.S. citizens. And that number is almost $500,000 per citizen is a liability. That's really frightening numbers. And I'm so glad that you do this program to educate the audience, to try to help lift the fog and give them some clarity and peace about what all this means, because it's confusing and it sounds even dangerous. And you guiding us through the minefield is is very important. Um, You do that in this program and you do that during your workshops and there is another workshop coming up. It's online via Zoom, and that is Tuesday, November the 9th at 1 o'clock. And it's a free online workshop, so you never have to leave your home. And, Michael, you've been doing these for years. Tell everybody in the next couple minutes exactly what goes on. Well, usually, uh, first of all, a lot of times it's about estate planning and not mm-hmm. necessarily about Medicaid that we've been talking about here today. Right. But we ask people what they want to know, and so mm-hmm. – uh, you know, a lot of these shows that we do are primarily on estate planning. But, you know, as people live longer, uh, the issues regarding how to pay for care become uh, more pronounced. So in any event, we ask people what they want to know, and we never know what questions people are going to ask because there are different things that bother different people and yeah. in their own individual situation. Uh, so for we ask people at the beginning of the workshop, what do you want to know? 
we proceed to answer those questions, plus have a presentation about general estate planning and perhaps Medicaid, about the things that people often want to know about, mm-hmm. and try to explain things a little bit more uh, concisely. I know that this on this particular program today, there's a lot of detail, and I really don't expect people to follow everything I just said because it's kind of complicated and, um, you know, you might cause a brain freeze. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, but the bottom line is don't worry about it. I think what the, the moral of the story is there are different things that you could do uh, even if you hadn't properly planned uh, before that often there's things you could do even if you wait to the last minute, although we don't recommend that. There's things you should do to be proactive in any event. Uh, our next workshop, like you said, is on November 9th. We answer the questions that you have. It's free. Um, and whatever it is you want to talk about as far as estate planning uh, or Medicaid or perhaps some veterans benefits or probate, things that are related to estate planning. Uh, and we hopefully will answer all those questions. And if you don't even answer all the questions there, if you just wanted to talk to me personally, if you go to the free two-hour free estate planning essentials workshop, we also give a free one-hour vision meeting if you so desire to look at your own situation, whether it's you're looking at your estate planning documents or perhaps your other questions related to this, whether it's about uh, probate or about Medicaid or whatever it may be. Uh, we will answer those questions when we meet with you in your one-hour free vision meeting should you so choose to do that. There's no obligation if you don't want to have a meeting, that's up to you. But we give you the opportunity to have three three hours of legal knowledge uh, and uh, to answer your questions without any obligation. To go to that next free estate planning essentials workshop, uh, you would just call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. And then you could just sign up. Uh, and, you know, we would look forward to seeing you virtually, although we hope uh, that the workshops will be in person uh, in the near future. Uh, we make it simple, by the way. Uh, even if you've never been on Zoom before, we tell you exactly what to do to download the app. It's very simple. It could be even on your phone if you have an iPhone, uh, or it could be uh, on um, your laptop. Uh, and we would just tell you what to do. So don't worry about the, the technology. The technology is not that difficult. We have somebody that works you through it if you'd like to uh, attend that free estate planning essentials workshop on November 9th. We have them every couple of weeks. We were Originally, we were going to have it on November 6th, but that's when the Alzheimer's walk is, and we planned on going to the walk uh, at that day, but Hope you all join us for that good cause as well. Very good. Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen, we thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. The record shows I took the blows and did it my way. Leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop 
by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.